This is the Love and Sex Unfiltered Podcast. Hosted by licensed marriage and family therapist and certified Gottman Method couples therapist, Sonia Jensen. Let's dive into the unfiltered side of what it takes to create communication, intimacy, and chemistry, not just in relationships with a partner, but the relationship you have with you. Here's your host, Sonia Jensen. All right. Well, welcome to another session of the Love and Sex Unfiltered podcast. I'm your host, Sonia Jensen. And I am your co-host, Ophelia Kinnersley. I'm getting the side eye from Sonia because obviously I wasn't queued up quickly enough. She wasn't. She wasn't ready. Uh, But we also have a very good guest star here, and it is Erica Eileen. She, her, they. We are so excited to have her as part of our podcast today. She is an amazing woman who coaches people through for body confidence, through shame and sexuality consulting. So you do a lot of work with helping people find their fullest, truest selves in their lives and in their sexual experience. So welcome. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. (laughs) Well, I would love for you to just share your inspirational journey because when I was checking in with your website. I just thought this girl is fire. She knows who she is and what she wants. I love it. So tell us your story. I love that. Well, thank you for having me. It's always like really nice to just chat with people that are in similar fields as well, because everyone has a different story and also a different approach to everything. But my story really started when I was seven. I was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes, which is a disease that is so closely linked to stereotypes and stigma beyond fairness. It's really like astronomically outrageous how much stigma and stereotyping happens to people. And I was a seven-year-old girl, so it wasn't like anything that I could make sense of at the time. And I really embodied a lot of that shame and a lot of the stigma that came with having diabetes attached to my identity. So I grew up, I was like always pretty outgoing, but I always really struggled with like being perfect and having really good grades. And then the diabetes on top of that really fucks you up in terms of constantly needing to monitor and keep your body alive, constantly feeling like you're fighting against everything in the world. Because for example, things like hot showers can make your blood sugars go up. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's wild. So I was like, just like a typical teen and you know, teens are so hard. Like being a young child is hard enough learning and navigating the world. And then you throw a chronic disease on it. So it was really difficult moving forward, but I was pretty like, not confident, but I was bubbly. I was outgoing. So people just kind of expected that I was this like great person dealing with everything that I had been given. And in high school, I ended up developing a really bad eating disorder called diabulimia. So um, diabulimia is a de- essentially an eating disorder that people with diabetes can develop. And it's when you manipulate your insulin, which is your life-saving medicine, but to hopefully increase your blood sugars, which in result will eat away at your body and like make you lose weight. But in real talk, it's just basically like killing your body and slowly dying. So I developed that and I really just struggled with like actually liking myself on the inside and out. So a lot of my journey started from the roots of not really understanding what that meant for me, not only emotionally, but physically as well. So I carried into my young adulthood 
I went to school and I did physical and health education and I wanted to be a cancer researcher. Wow. <laughs> You're definitely on a different end of the spectrum, girl, now. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's all part of the story. So I wanted to be a doctor because I was so obsessed with health. But at the time, health to me was losing weight and over-exercising. So right. I was like, I want to help people not get cancer. I'm going to help people stay skinny. And I really thought that I was like doing really great for the world. But in second year university, I actually ended taking a gender equality and social justice class because I had no other options. Right. So I ended up taking this class and my life was flipped upside down. I grew up in a very small town, a very white town, and I'm extremely privileged on many fronts. Even though I am a woman, I have a chronic disease. There's other things like in the realm of everything. Like I had no fucking clue what life actually was. And so in this course, I learned about privilege and I learned about fat phobia and I learned about systemic oppression and it completely rocked me. So I really struggled with myself because I felt guilty for being who I was. Mm -hmm. I also then realized that my sole mission in life was literally to make people have disordered living lifestyles. And I was like, wow, that's fucking shit. Like, (laughs) dumb bitch. Like, you're literally sitting here being like, I'm going to save the world. Meanwhile, I'm literally like forcing people into eating disorders and over-exercising, thinking that it's in the name of health. So in that program, I learned a lot. It challenged a lot of my thought processes and beliefs. So I ended up doing both programs. And in my gender equality and social justice, I was able to take courses like HIV in Africa and the history of how it was portrayed in media. And I took courses like body image and social media. And I took courses about uh, reality TV and what it does to ourselves and what it's portraying and all these really cool topics. And in that program, I really learned that life of what I know is not life for everyone else. So it was really like the undergrounding of the unlearning that we always talk about. But it didn't really click until I went to Australia. So when I was done school, I was, I called myself the undergrad fuck up. (laughs) And like, just goes to show where my confidence was at. I had two incredible degrees under my belt. I was super smart. I was head cheerleader for four years at my university. And I literally could not get a job anywhere. And I thought that it was because I sucked and no one would want me. So I actually went to Australia. I left my partner. I was with him and... I said, listen, I got to freaking go. Like, if I don't go now, I'm never going to go. And it was there that I actually learned how to put all of what I had learned about the body and fat phobia and the systemic oppressions in place. Because I was like, if I do not like myself, like in a bikini, this trip is going to be really fucking miserable. And if I'm constantly worried about like what I'm doing and if I'm traveling in a land that's not mine and not aware of the Aboriginal spaces, like this is just going to be a rough go. So through my trip in Australia was where it really was applicable to being able to actually like force myself out of that comfort zone of thinking that I had to look a certain way. And then when I came home, I started working as a preschool teacher, um, which is another thing I know. So growing up, everyone was always like, you're great with kids. I was a lifeguard. I was always like a camp counselor. And so I went into school when I got back a year later and I did preschool teaching. And it was then that I realized that the outside was literally 1% of what it meant to be confident and liberated. And the inside and the boundaries and the self-respect and the self-worth like have nothing to do with the way that I look. So in the time that I had in Australia, I had been documenting my journey. And I was creating a pretty big platform within the type 1 diabetes community because I was talking about all these issues and I was sharing all these new products because I was like, no one else is fucking doing it. 
I truly like, I will confidently say that I think I was one of like first. I love you're it. a pioneer. Yeah. Yeah, I am a pioneer. Like I was a pioneer. I didn't know what the fuck I was doing and I didn't utilize it when, <laughs> you know, chronological was a thing, but I was a pioneer. But anyways, I had a pretty big platform and I just kept pushing myself and pushing myself and getting out of my comfort zone and really working around boundaries and my sexuality and everything that came with it, the self-trust, the compassion, the the pleasure and everything like that. And then I ended up quitting my job as a preschool teacher because I no longer could be posting about the comments and, and the topics that I wanted to right. online without my job being like, mm, mm, and I, which I hate, obviously, oh, yeah. but like I had to choose, right? So ended up quitting and I started my coaching business and it's now been two and a half years. And I coach people who are really just looking to break free from like the stereotypical norms that have been placed on us. And for me, a lot of the connection pieces that come to like from my clients is that I once was that girl that followed every single rule. I was the teacher's pet in the best way possible. I was smart as fuck. I was getting the best grades. My I did everything my parents asked for. I didn't drink till I was 20. I lost my virginity when I was 20. Like everything that I did was because I felt so confined by society and what I had to do. And so for me, my big breakthrough, like y'all can't see me now, but like I have fucking finger tattoos. I like used to have long blonde hair and I chopped it short and dyed it black. Like I got the sexiest curves ever, which like I never thought I would actually ever like (laughs) get to that point. Yeah. And so, and I've also like cut off a lot of people in my life because I wanted to chase my reality and a lot of people are not able to accept that part of me. And I've just had to be able to say, you know what, like the closest people to me, like I love you, but I have to love you from afar. So mm-hmm. a lot of people now in my journey and where I am right now are really connecting to the point of like, oh shit, like this bitch is like actually like doing the hard stuff. She's not just like posting like love yourself. It's <laughs> like, oh, like, oh, you're you fucked up. Like take ownership in that. And like, yeah. oh, like, you like really kinky shit, like chase that. People are like, ah! Um, <laughs> You're living life on your own terms. I'm living life on my own terms. And that's really how I got here. And I take so much pride in just being a continual journey and continual lesson that I'm in. And everything keeps growing and everything keeps expanding. But I'm taking people along with me. And I think that's why a lot of people are connecting so much to my story. Oh, for sure. I mean, you have a fantastic story that I think a lot of people wish that they had the ability to do it, but are so scared of losing family and unlearning things is, is one of those things we know we need to unlearn it, but our chaos and our, what, and the dysfunction that we're used to is so much more comfortable than actually moving outside of it. And I think women in particular with societal requirements, and then if you grew up like me, religious requirements of who you should be, how you should act. It's so claustrophobic to break outside. And then usually you're pretty lonely when you do it. (laughs) I know people, my clients are always like, I feel really badass, but like I cry every night because I have never felt this amount of loneliness. Welcome to the club. Would you like a t-shirt? What size are you? (laughs) Like a proper long sleeve. What are we doing here? Because it's so lonely. And I think that's like such a beautiful thing to recognize too, is that people always think like this liberation of self, whether it's sexual self or confidence, that you're going to feel so fucking amazing. And to be honest, we don't feel amazing 99% of the time, but I'd rather be comfortable with like, okay, this is like what I want to do. And this is what makes me happy. And then deal with the really fucking 
painful feels of grief of losing people who are still alive and being betrayed and being like neglected from family and all those like hard feelings that come up because it's like allowing yourself to be like, okay, you know what? I'm going to choose the loneliness and the safety and the calmness for me versus putting myself in positions that I'm constantly being judged in and I'm constantly being put down in. And that is like where true confidence is. So when my clients come to me, be like, I was expected to feel great in your coaching. And I'm like, hell no. I'm like, but <laughs> let's like, sign up for day. feeling like shit for a while, but it's going to be great. Yeah. And then all of a sudden they'll message me and they'll be like, oh my God, I was out at the market and I asked a guy out or I like went up to a girl and told her she was sexy and I was confident in doing that. She said, oh my gosh, like it, it actually feels good. I'm like, yeah, the actions after feel good, but having to actually implement those things to make you feel liberated is not always that nice. <laughs> well, you're, and it's going to feel like the fear is going to come up so much that you're, it feels like you're going to die. If you put literally, literally. And so, so many people get to that point. And I always tell my clients, I'm like, you have to reframe that feeling to mean you're moving in the right direction, as opposed to an indicator that you're doing something wrong. And that's so counterintuitive because we are driven by shame and guilt our entire lives to not love ourselves, to not listen to our bodies, but to conform all the time. And it's fucking exhausting. It's so exhausting. And even just like allowing yourself to choose the things that bring you joy and pleasure versus choosing the things that are comfortable and easy. Like it's very exhausting to constantly wake up and be like, okay, like how am I going to find pleasure in my day? Like how am I going to find joy and being like, hmm, okay, like I'm going to have a glass of water. Ooh, I'm going to have it like in my favorite glass and like literally brainwashing yourself to be like, oh, this is so sexy. Like I'm so, I'm like so luxurious, but that's really what it's about. But when you don't have that experience of being like, how can I find pleasure and joy and, and happiness in the very simple things? Of course, it's going to be very difficult to be able to see the other side. I love that, that you can talk about that because we were literally just before we got started, both Oh, I'm tired. We got a big week happening. It's her birthday this weekend. And I've got a lot of stuff to do. She's got a lot of work. And we we're both like, this is going to be a great day. But how are we gonna, <laughs> how are we going to rally through and make it joyous? Mind you, you've been lovely, by the way. Yeah, but it's just, you know, I mean, we're still at work. We're still working. And mm-hmm. how are we going to find the simplest pleasure in our day? So for you to be like, yes, go put it in your Royal Dalton wine glass and take your sparkling water from H-E-B and swish it and be like, yes. I'm like, ooh, I'm going to go do that right now. I'm going to have like some really great food. I always talk to people about reframing sex as not about penetration and orgasm, but as about the experience of pleasure. But so many people don't even know what the experience of pleasure is that you tell them like, just enjoy sex, but they don't even know how to enjoy a glass of water and say that it's okay to have pleasure and to make pleasure simple. Yeah. And a big part of my coaching is very much touching base with sensuality. So I always take my clients through this beautiful exercise of like figuring out the places in your day to day where you feel pleasure that's not connected to sex whatsoever. Because how can we expect people like you were saying to jump into having sex and being like, just enjoy it. And you're like, I don't even fucking know what that means. <laughs> so for me, it's like, okay, if a client comes to me and is like, I'm really uncomfortable in sex, there's a solid chance the underlying root of that is they're uncomfortable with their body. They're uncomfortable with having tough conversations or setting boundaries or honestly just being able to like set moods and know the things that make them feel really good inside. And so 
a lot of my sex coaching actually doesn't talk about sex until like week eight out of 12 because we spend so much time working on like, okay, if you wanted to like feel really sexy, how would you create that mood for yourself? Because with sensuality, you can trick your brain and almost brainwash your brain into being like, okay, like if I want to feel ABC, I can tap into these types of senses and I know it will bring that energy and that memory back from me. So for a lot of my clients, they have no experience of what it's like to romance themselves and to feel luxurious and to feel really sensual with their bodies and with themselves. And so I take them through this exercise of like, okay, when you wake up, what type of breakfast would just make you feel like an absolute fucking queen or like a freaking like if you woke up in the perfect day and you got to choose exactly what you wanted to do what would your day look like and how can you incorporate those things into your day-to-day and then as they practice that weeks come months come and it's like okay so you know that when you want to feel sensual that you love the smell of roses and you love the smell of florals awesome throw your freaking body spray all over your pillows and get some flowers in your room and then see how sex turns out and then see how pleasurable you can feel because you're surrounding all of yourself, not just your genitals, with the idea of pleasure. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Sex, I always say, is the barometer of the rest of your life. If you are having great sex or with yourself or with somebody else, it's because you have created a lifestyle that showcases that you are worthy of experiencing pleasure, regardless of what it is. Because so many women will shame themselves around how long it takes to orgasm or that they can't orgasm like they used to or that they just don't feel sexual at all. But they're not creating a lifestyle that says, hey, like having pleasure is an important part of your life. And it's like, just teach me how to have good sex. Well, I can't teach you how to have good sex unless I teach you how to have a great life and a great relationship with yourself. Right? Exactly. Exactly. And that is literally what it's all about. Like when people come... They ask them, like, and I know why they're asking the questions because media, porn, society, like, they Mm -hmm. tell them that this is, like, what the answer is. And I literally, some people are like, when are we going to talk about sex? And I'm like, we're not. And But then they'll be like, oh, my gosh, like, I just had the best sex ever. And, like, it's only because I listened to this music or only because, like, I went out and went for a walk today instead of sat in my room and, you know, really struggled with, with getting outside, right? And I think like the big part of it really at the root is like the idea that women don't deserve pleasure and that we should just be complacent in every area of our life. We're never told that it's okay to like ask for what we need. We're never like told that it's okay to be needy, demanding, wanting attention. Like we're never told that it's okay to also like spend money on the quote unquote, as a lot of people love to say it, the stupid shit. But it's like, okay, the stupid shit is what makes you feel awesome. And that's the end of that, right? Like people are like, oh, well, why would you buy yourself flowers? Well, fuck, I don't know because they're nice. (laughs) Why does everything have to have a reason? Right, I don't have to justify justify it. Mm -hmm. Ah, Right, and so I think as like, as humans and especially as people who identify as women or grow up in this like feminine aura and this body is that we're told don't go and seek more. Be complacent. You have what you have. Make it work. Don't complain about it. And then they adapt that into their sex life. And if you allowed yourself to just 
put on some music or like allowed yourself to like romance yourself. Like imagine how many more people would actually be able to orgasm or would be able to receive even just pleasure from other parts of their body because they spend time working on it rather than thinking that, okay, in order for me to be a good woman or good human, I'm going to like have this crazy orgasm with like liquid squirting out of my badge and like my face like contorting into like seven different shapes because I'm like, I don't know where I am. Like, oh, no, no. One time I actually, um, a couple months ago, I run a program and it's about sensual dance movement. Ooh, that's and nice. That, oh my gosh, it's great. It's so awesome because it's not sex focused, but it's, and it's not like lap dance, but it's just sexy movement with different genres so that people can just like learn how to get into their body and some movement. And it's really, it's an incredible space for a lot of people. But the one that I actually ran a self-touch workshop and I did this whole sensual, like, touch your fingers and now run your fingertips down like into your armpits and grab your breasts and the people were like oh my god like I have never felt so pleasured and the only thing we did was like we went into genital touch with like 10 minutes left of the hour and a half call but like all of them were like oh my god like I orgasm touching my leg or like I just felt so bliss and I think that's like where it comes into as well is like really teaching people like that when you love on your body and when you heal the relationship with your body, you can heal so many other areas of your life as well because you are your vessel and you are your physical self and you carry that in every single place that you go. And if you're carrying shame, embarrassment, frustration, and anger in your body and then you use your body for sex and business and work and and life and exercise and everything, those feelings are going to come with you. For sure. Now, I want to make a point that I'm pulling from from earlier in your conversation, but I I wonder what you think about this is as women or or somebody that identifies as a woman or even men, because I'm sure you get male clients as well. You, as you're developing a healthy relationship with yourself, if you're still in contact or trying to build a relationship or maintain a relationship with the people that have hurt you, probably going to be pretty hard to do that because you still want to please them. You still deny yourself in order to hear what, you know, to tell them what they want to hear. And what do you think about that? Yeah. So, I mean, easier said than done. Like I would love if everyone could just cut off everyone who's hurt them, but I think like we would all be lone soldiers because as much as I believe humans can love, I do know people can hurt. And something that really helped me with my healing of, my relationship with other people while I was trying to heal my relationship with my body was recognizing that every single person lives in a fat phobic society and an oppressive society that tells them that they're not worth. And so coming from the approach of, yes, I need to cut them off. And yes, they hurt me. And yes, like I can't have a conversation because they just like keep putting me down. The first step is recognizing that they are learning these mentalities and they have learned this idea from the same world that we live in. So I'm going to use my mom, for example, and I love my mother so much, but she really struggled growing up with body image because that's what she was, the world that she was in told her to eat fat-free, fat-free sour cream and like, yeah, like fat-free milk and like margin instead of butter and all these things. And so, of course, she grew up thinking that that was right. And so now, even though a lot of my body image comes from my family, I have to also hold space for my mom and hold space for my grandma and all the other women in my family who also had to live through that. So that is like my first piece. And that 
recognition and that like working through that was really the missing piece for me loving my body. So I always share that with people. But my second thing too is, is with boundaries and with people, like you have to know where people fucking stand. You have to put people in their fucking place. And that is said with so much love, but if if it's okay with you, I want to like um, explain a little exercise yeah, that I do with my yeah. clients. It's really helpful. It's like a really quick way to kind of like figure out where you're at with people. But if you are struggling with knowing if you should break something off with someone or if you should, what type of boundaries each person needs, um, there's this exercise that I do. So I'll let you all do it right now mm-hmm. so you can practice. So um, what we're going to do is we're going to close our eyes. And I want you to picture the version of you that is the most authentic, confident, pleasure-filled, joyful person. And I want you to think about what you would feel like if you were living in that version of you. And I want you to also think about what that person might look like or what that version of you might look like or where they might be in the world, okay? So a place where you are just your truest self. So now I want you to draw a circle around your head, okay? And then all of a sudden, down comes this beautiful protector. So this is your safe space. It's creating a shield or an armor for you. And maybe the shield and armor is actual armor. Maybe it's sparkles. Maybe it's trees or sunshine. But essentially, this protector is going to protect you so you can continue living this authentic, happy, confident, pleasureful person that you are, okay? So in your life, you have three different types of people that are going to come into your day-to-day. So the first group of people, they walk towards your protection and they are allowed in. So you let them in, you let them stay for a couple of days because maybe with them, you are totally cool with being yourself. You don't feel like you have to mask yourself. You don't feel like you have to shape shift in order for them to love you. And you feel zero judgment from them at all. Okay, so I want you to think about who's coming through the protector, the protection when you think about that group. Okay, so they're going to go away. The next group of people that come into your life, these are people that I call the visitors. So these are people that can still come into that protection of yours and they can come and see your space. But they don't stay for long because you notice that you start to shift your values. You notice that you start to get anxious when they stayed a long time. You notice that you kind of have to put a little bit of front on when they're in your space. So this group of people in your life, they can come, but they're also going to go pretty quickly. Okay. And then the third group of people that you have in your life, they're called like the walkarounds. So these people will never be allowed in that beautiful sacred space of yours because when they do, and if they do come in, you completely change. You lose all sense of authenticity and confidence and pleasure and joy. And you find yourself extremely let down, frustrated, feeling belittled, and you lose that beautiful, confident version of yourself that we were talking about a little bit earlier. So these people in your life, they can walk around that protection, but they can't come in. And you might love them a lot and you might wish that sometimes they could come in, but you know from past experiences that when you do let them in, it's just not good for you. Okay. So now we can open our eyes. Okay. So I do this with my clients because what it allows you to do, it allows you to visualize very clearly the people that you should let in and share everything with. 
It lets you visualize the people that you maybe need to keep an arm's length away from. You still love them. You can still talk to them, but you put very like strict boundaries in place with them and very specific boundaries, i.e. you can call before you come over. Or when we are having family dinner, there will be no discussion about my body whatsoever. And if you continue to disrespect that, there will be no more family dinners. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then the third group is the people that are, I love you, but this is not working. And we are cutting off all communication until it is safe for us to do so. And when it is, we will have mediators, we will have support, we will go to therapy in order for this to be the healthiest transaction possible. And so I like doing this because it just allows people to say, okay, What level of boundaries do I need with the people that hurt me most? I love that exercise because I think it's a fantastic visualization of get in your mind of who it is, because I think we don't even think about where people stand in our lives. Yeah. And the best part about it is that every time I do this with clients, they're like, I know. And I'm like, nah, -uh, I'm not fucking doing that shit. Uh -uh." Don't start putting, I know I should. Nah, uh uh-uh. If your mom and dad are in the very last group, your mom and dad are in the very last group. If your husband's in the very last group, your husband is in the very last group. Yeah. Right. And that's what I was going to say. It's like, what happens when it's family? So. Doesn't matter. Right. And and that's the thing is that sometimes people, when they're approaching, when they're approaching something new in their life or they're trying to, to grow and sometimes it's, you know, about their body and sometimes it's about sex and just like the way that they want to express themselves is that. You have to have those boundaries ready to go and in place. And you have to know where each people stands so that you can continue to keep yourself safe. For me, it was like, okay, like very quickly, I realized that being my true authentic self was not safe around many people. And it was a very quick cut, 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 cut. Here's your boundary. Here's your boundary. Here's your boundary. And that's that. And we will approach it as we need to. It's hard, but because I knew, I knew what my boundaries were. I knew how I wanted to feel. And I knew when people started creeping in and I was like, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm censoring what I'm saying because my second cousin is following me. Snatch. No. Gone. Love you. Boundaries are not mean. They are to keep relationships stronger, not to make them weaker. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Can I think we use the word boundaries a lot. And actually, it's interesting. 10, 11 years ago when I was in grad school, I don't really remember hearing anything boundary. about boundaries. <laughs> Nothing. And, and so then, you know, I'm, I'm just acting, you know, I'm an active clinician now. And I'm like, wait a second, boundaries is all over the place in the last couple of years. And so how would you define a boundary for our listeners? So they really understand what that word means. So a really easy way to explain a boundary to someone is your manual or your rule book to loving you. Mm, I like that. This is my manual on how I feel loved. And this is my manual on how you can love me. And if you can't respect my rule book, and if you can't respect the instructions, then it's not going to work. Just like an Ikea shelf. You try to do it without the fucking manual, it turns into an absolute shit show. You follow the manual, you create something beautiful. Simple as that. I love it. And now are boundaries allowed to change and shift over time in your rule book? Of course, of course. And you can also have the same boundary for different people. You can also have two sisters who get two completely different boundaries. And that's the beautiful thing about it is that they can change. They can also be hard boundaries, which is an absolute no, or they can be soft boundaries where it's like, I'm going to let this be. And if you disrespect it, then we'll have a conversation, but it's not going to mean that I'm going to cut off the whole relationship. 
But sometimes those soft boundaries become very hard boundaries over time if you continue to disrespect the same one. And it's up for to you to keep track, essentially, of where you're at with each boundary and with each person and how you're feeling towards it. And, and I always tell people, like, if your gut is like, oh, my God, it's like the ninth time that... Okay, I'll, you know what? I'll fucking spill the tea, okay? Ooh, I love that. I was recently seeing someone who was like, let's cut to the cord. Like, I want a relationship. Like, what are you doing? I don't time to fuck around. I'm like, same, perfect. He talks a lot of fucking talk. And then a month ago, we were supposed to hang out. And he called me at one. He's like, I'm coming down. I'm like, awesome, sexy, fuck yeah. And it was seven o'clock and I hadn't heard from him. And then at 10 o'clock, he called me apologizing that he got a work emergency. You had a four hour drive to your work emergency. You could have picked up the phone. So I let it go because I was like, okay, this guy talks a lot of good shit. Like maybe it was just a flip loop. Sure enough, this past weekend, we were supposed to hang out on Saturday. Mm-hmm. I hadn't heard from him since Friday morning. He declined my call and didn't message me back when I sent him pictures of his favorite foods that I bought for our hangout. Mm-hmm. And I said, you know what? Absolutely. In my gut, you know what I felt? So much disrespect. Mm-hmm. And so old me without this rule book would have been like, but he's busy and he's building his empire and he's a great guy and he's a good man. Knew me because I know that my time is the most valuable thing and it's a hard boundary for me. I said, oh, you disrespect my time once, you're going to disrespect it again? Bet. Goodbye. Good for you. I love that. Mm -hmm. Because for a long time, my time was whatever. It's easy. But I've been hurt so many times with people disrespecting my time that it went from a very loose boundary to a very strict boundary and everyone gets it as a strict boundary. I don't care if I met you today or I don't care if I've met you 20 years ago. If you waste my time, you waste my time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we're That's not doing that. that. And where is he now? He has not messaged me since I ended things on Saturday morning. He's watching all my Instagram stories and still hasn't said a single thing. So we're going to find you. Okay. <laughs> yeah, we're going to find you. Buddy. Like, oh yeah. Talk, talk a lot. My best friends were both like, he's a fake. He's a fake. Catfish. Yeah, because you know what? But that's what the beautiful thing about knowing your worth and knowing what you deserve is like, you know what? Like old me would have fucking put up with that for probably six months because I would have been like, oh, but he's busy and I just have a little business. Fuck no, I'm building an empire as well. And even if I just wanted to sit all day and do puzzles, you still get to respect my time to tell me how many pieces of my puzzle I'm going to put together. That's right. And that's that. Exactly. And one of the things that when you talked about that visualization and you have this kind of guard around you, that guard's not very big. So you're not going to have that many people in that space with you in that very intimate space. It's not meant to have a lot of people in there. Exactly. And that's like something that a lot of people really struggle with as well is that they think that they're lonely because they only have a couple people. And I'm like, no. Look at how deep those two people go or look at how deep those couple people are and spend your time building your relationship with them. Like, don't worry about the people that are walking around. Like, fuck that shit. Spend your time developing pleasure and confidence and joy with those people, whether they're romantic or sexual or not, right? I have like one of my best friends, speaking of pleasure and like not being sex related, but I have a best friend and him and I met in the realm of like online dating, but we very much realized that we were just more so like meant to be best friends. But we bachata and salsa dance. Like outside in the middle of a parking lot with the music out of the truck blasting till like 4 a.m. And it is the most joy 
and pleasure that I've ever felt. And he's one of my people in my circle. And then I have another best friend who is also very closely in my circle. And she's the person that I spend the most amount of time with. And that's it. But both of them bring me a lot of the pieces of life that I'm looking for, i.e. companionship, love, confidence, joy, and pleasure. It's just in different ways. And that's also a beautiful way to start filling your cup and feeling confident is recognizing that you don't need to be conventionally in these relationships and be like, okay, if this is a romantic relationship, I get sex and love from you. It's like, no, like, like massage your friends. Like my girlfriend came over a couple of weeks ago. She's another one of my circles. We gave each other breast massages. We're best friends. I'm like, yeah, you want a breast massage? Like it feels so good. And we just out there rubbing our titties naked with each other. (laughs) Romantic relate or sexual relationship. Yeah, and medically, yeah. she could have helped you. What if you? What if she found a lump? No, so. she's a nurse, and that's why I'm, we, we were doing it. And like, there's also like so much. Like, I don't know if you're like into spirituality, but there's a lot of there's a lot of information now about like where we hold our stress and like how you can like rub different parts of your body to receive different types of healing. But we did that. But it was so cool because if I hadn't healed my relationship with my body, there was no fucking way that I would have been able to be like, "Hey, babe, come on down. We'll like." do some witchy like oracle card shit and then we'll rub each other's tits. Right. And then we'll go get burgers. <laughs> like there's no fucking way that I would have been able or my relationship with pleasure to be able to be like, I can have someone rub my breasts and it not be a sexual desire. Yeah. I, Ophelia, I feel like our friendship needs to grow and develop. <laughs> Sonia, I just want you to know you're one of my only friends who hasn't touched my breast recently. I, I, but that's I, another I, podcast. So I, I know. I'm like, okay, do I need to like start mediating here? <laughs> you know what? The fact that we haven't slapped or beat or hit each other up in your presence speaks values I know. right now. Truly, so. we're always bitches to each other. I am like a light. I am like everyone's grounding like energy. As soon as we press end, we'll probably be fighting on the yeah, floor. Totally. Yeah, totally, totally. I love it though. But that's like the beautiful thing, right? About like friendship and healing the feminine connection and the sisterhood of like really just being able to like see other women not as competitors not as like sexier than me prettier than me it's just like being able to heal brings you into these relationships where you are giving your best friends breast massages and there's nothing fucking weird about it whatsoever right I am just so grateful that you decided to join us on the podcast today. Erica, this has been so much fun. And when this podcast airs, we will send out Erica's information. It'll be on the podcast links. Also, we will throw some stuff up on Instagram. But please give them your contact information. Yeah, so the best place to reach me, even though it's like a very scary place, is Instagram. So my (laughs) handle, as of yesterday, we had that nice little outrage or like outage, whatever that was. So yeah, Instagram is the best place to reach me because I just have all my um, information there. So it is Erica's Confidence Co, all one word, Erica with a K. And through there, I have a podcast rated E for Erica, where I talk about confidence, sex, and business. And I also do one-on-one coaching as well as sensual dance classes. I have an OnlyFans with all my sex-related content on there because Lord knows Instagram hates the word vagina. I know, it scares them. I know. It scares them. So I was like, fuck this. So I took all my um, sex content, all my tips and tricks, and I have about 60 blogs on my OnlyFans at $7 a month. So you can also 
receive information that way if you don't want to work with a coach or if you're scared to kind of indulge with someone and the vulnerability. Um, it's a great place to just learn how to do a nice blowjob without it having to be a class or something. So. so thank you for saying that because so many women don't get healthy sex education about like what should great oral sex feel like? How do you give a good blowjob or a hand job? Right, right after we get to talk with somebody who made the ultimate hand job machine. So excited um, about that. I know. We're super oh, excited about it. Very cool. I know. So I love that. Ladies, don't be afraid to learn that you're not going to die by trying to figure out how to like give good head. Amen. <laughs> I'll second that one. <laughs> All the men listening to this podcast are like, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to subscribe to your OnlyFans. Yeah. And like, that's the thing. Like, I have like 50% of my followers on OnlyFans are like people that identify as women. And then the other half are men who come to see my butthole. And then they're like, okay, so like, I know I was here to like jerk off to your tits, but like, I also just asked my partner to like fuck me in the ass. And it was like the hottest thing ever. And I'm like, this is great. You came for the tits. And you're getting the whole like, package. The whole package. A prostate yep. pleasure. Prostate <laughs> <laughs> pleasure. Like, this is what the world of sex education and sex work can do for us. Yeah. I, seriously. Okay. Liberated so a- woman. I love yeah. this. Erica, we should be best friends. Totally. I'm on it. <laughs> We're good. I've been taking applications for other friends for her for years. Yeah. So. She's like, you need more friends. I'm like, oh, come on. <laughs> Totally. I'll send you my number. We can FaceTime. We can chit chat. Maybe we can do a couple lives or something. You know, I'm easy. But yeah, thank you for having me. And I really appreciate what you both are doing. And I also just love like the the vibe that you're giving. It's it's super perfect. Thanks. Well, this has been so much fun. We appreciate you. And if this was an empowering podcast for you, please send this to your friends, maybe to your partner. But also like and subscribe and rate this podcast so we can get it out to more and more people. Have a wonderful day and we'll see you on the next session of the Love and Sex Unfiltered podcast. Thank you for listening. There you have it. If this episode hit home for you, take a second to share it with a friend, screenshot it and share it on Instagram or leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. If you want to learn more tips and stay connected with Sonia, follow her on Instagram at the Sonia Jensen. And if you want to find more information, you can check out her website at www.sonyajensen.com. Until next time, remember, stay real, stay unfiltered, and dig deep.